Hey folks, welcome back to the Ruby Dev Summit. I am here with Federico Yaketti. Um, it's we've worked together on different projects and, and chatted off and on over the last several years. And uh, yeah, I thought he'd have some interesting ideas around what the future of Ruby looks like. Um, he lives down in Argentina, and so he interacts with kind of a different circle sometimes than I do. Um, so yeah, uh, Federico, what? Looking at where things are with Ruby, what is the future of Ruby? Um, well, to answer your question, there are there are like uh, two big things I could think of. The okay. things I see where it's going, and the things I wish it was going to go. Uh huh. Um, uh, in terms of uh, what I see mainly on the. Uh, for the Ruby core, I, I think they are focusing a lot on performance, mm -hmm. uh, and I really like that. I like the idea of thinking of Ruby as a language I can just drop in and do whatever I want without thinking of, uh, okay, it's not going to work, it's too slow. And uh, I, I really like that they are focusing on that right now. Mm -hmm. um, I also see changes on the on parser and parsers, um, mm -hmm. uh, which I also like uh, the the idea of um, uh, being able to, for example, uh, have a, a, I don't remember the exact name, but like a partial parser where if you find an, an error in the in the code, the parser can continue, so you have a uh, you, you can see, okay, you have an error here, please change it, but uh, you also see that the rest of the file is uh, still working. Uh, there has been uh, a lot of changes in terms of syntax, which, okay, Ruby always had the, those kind of changes. Right. Uh, there are a lot of syntax changes that I don't really like, but I like that Ruby allows me to choose. Right. Uh -huh. uh, which always has been the the Ruby um, the Ruby mind, right? Um, uh, they are moving uh, towards removing the use of native libraries, which is also great uh, because you sometimes you get stuck in okay, I I'm installing I don't know Nokogiri in Rails and you're running it on a Docker uh, on a Docker container, and then you have to uh, stop on your feet and install packages or debug what happened. This didn't work. I, I like the the idea of basically simplifying installation of of gems, right? Or yeah, or, or, or even the the main uh, the Ruby core library. Yep. Um, so, so let's yeah. let's stop for a minute. Because, yes. I mean, you gave me a list of like four or five things, but let's talk about them, right? So, yeah. so performance, right? Um, what are you seeing in the way of performance? Because I don't know if I like directly measure anything that I'm doing. I can tell you it's getting faster because I'll run a Rails app or run a script or something. And the numbers I'm getting back as far as, hey, this took you so many milliseconds or whatever, that number is definitely yeah. getting lower. I couldn't tell you what they did, but it's getting faster. Uh, yeah, well, 
I couldn't tell you either. <laughs> um, I, I know YG is a is a big thing. I yes. don't really understand it yet because I haven't uh, gotten deeper into it. But I know since uh, before Ruby three was out, they they have been moving towards uh, making Ruby three times faster, right. and I think that they achieved a lot of that. Uh, with some with some regressions and and some advances, uh, but yeah, what, what I see in terms of, of performance is what I what I said before and what you said. Uh, I don't like measuring things as, as well. I like it. I like to think of uh, going into a language and not having to think about performance. Uh, yeah, of course, performance in an application comes from a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. I like to exclude the language from those things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mostly, and I agree with you, mostly because the, the language stuff is not something that's in my control, whereas database optimizations or writing the code in a performant way or you know taking advantage of some uh, concurrency feature in Ruby or something like that, those are all things I can do, right? Yes. And so, yeah, the, the language itself, maybe not so much. Um, as far as YJIT goes, yeah, I've, I need to reach out to Takashi Kokobun and see if he can come on and talk to us about that because it's really, really cool stuff. Now, um, I think in Ruby 3.2, you had to set a flag to use YJIT. But I think yes. if I remember right, in 3.3, they were they were planning to turn it on. I never actually looked to see if they did it. Yeah, they were planning to turn it on by default, I uh-huh. think you would be able to disable it, but I'm not sure about right. that. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, is that we've seen in other languages too, like there, uh, you know, we've seen some JIT compilers come into JavaScript. Um, yeah. And a lot of that stuff, yeah, it's interesting because you'll you'll watch it and it'll churn through some stuff and then it'll decide, okay, I've run this enough times. That's usually how JITs work. And so I'm yeah. going to compile it to something that, you know, I can run um, on the machine. Much on faster. The, yeah. yeah much faster. I can run it on the VM in native code and boom, you just see it immediately take off. And so I yeah. think that's really cool. And it, yeah, it's not, I have some friends that are big like Go fanatics or, you know, what have you. And they, you know, they compile, compile it. And they're like, well, ours is fast from the get go. Well, sure. But, you know, there are a lot of features that come out of Ruby that are very, very nice that yeah. I'm willing to trade off for the, the fast eventually. Yeah, and then you have to actually compile it every time you want to run or change something. So, yeah, there's that then as well. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, the the JIT's definitely a thing. I think they've cleaned up some of the memory management stuff too and made that a little bit faster. Uh, Are there any other features that you've looked at that that make it faster that you're excited about, or is it primarily what Uh, you um, No, uh, to be honest, I I watched a couple of uh, Tenderlog talks, mm-hmm. but I don't recall any other features. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to the parsers then. You mentioned the parser. Um, are you talking about the Prism parser, or are you talking about something else? Uh, yeah, Prism in general. Okay. Um, again, something I, I haven't looked too deep into. Uh, I, I watched a couple of talks and I got really excited about uh, about basically inter- um, 
how you say it. Uh, yeah, integrating a parser with with my editor and right uh, things of, of that that sort. Yeah, we had uh, Kevin Newton scheduled to do the summit, and then um, he realized he had to check with his employer. So we are trying to get through some red tape, so to speak, or line up yeah. somebody else who's worked with him on that. But um, I mean, it's it's so interesting just what a difference some of this stuff can make and, and what the capabilities are when you have a, a parser that does more than just kind of the fundamental stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what else did you mention? I can't remember all of it. Uh, syntax changes. Um, oh, yeah. I, I normally don't um, automatically take new, new changes to the syntax. The latest one I, I've taken and really liked is, uh, I don't remember the, the exact name, but uh, one-line method definitions. Okay. Uh, th those tend to clean up a bit the uh, the, the, the code. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like in, in this, uh, for this point, I really like that Ruby allows you to write the code you want Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, syntax changes are always welcome. Um, yeah, I, that, I don't usually like new changes. I think the the one I mentioned and uh, hash syntax uh, are, are the, the the two changes I actually really enjoy enjoyed. Right. Um, I I use I don't use to sorry I don't uh, usually. Uh, take up new changes, but again, I, I really like the, the possibility to yeah to write yeah the keyword arguments are I, I use those everywhere yeah now. and I resisted for a long time I was like yuck I don't like this I don't like this I don't like this hey it's telling me what it is I like this I like this yes uh, yeah kind of practically it's exclusively yeah. now yeah yeah but uh, yeah the the thing that I like about in particular, and I'm just going to chime in on the things you're bringing up um, is about Ruby in particular. And I think the thing that draws a lot of people in is sort of the intuitive nature of how you look at things and go, oh, I get what that does. Or, oh, I understand why what that feature is. Or, oh, I get why this library is set up that way. There are so many things in Ruby that just really lend themselves cleanly that way. And Rails has very nicely extended that. And then you see it in some yes. of the other frameworks too, if you're using Hanami or things like that. You know, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a mind mindset shift from Rails to Hanami, but again, it has that that intuitive nature to okay, I understand why they're structuring things this way, and this is very expressive way of doing it. And so Yeah, I think Ruby drives us to to do things like that, to mm -hmm. do the things in a with a DSL or with very terse code um, or right. very expressive code. So, uh, yeah, Rails is the primary example of that because they they do it uh, almost to a fault. <laughs> but yeah. Well, they pulled uh, in active support. They created active support, and that adds a whole nother layer of that kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that that's, I think... Uh, Rails is a primary example, but Ruby itself is a is a language that leads you to uh, to work oh, in that yeah. kind of way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. What, what what was weren't there like four or five things or did I? Yeah, no. The last one I I mentioned was um, removing the use of native libraries. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I took that from the changelog because I I was just reading the the changelog changelog for the last uh, Ruby uh, version and they are removing the dependency on on readline, for example. Oh really. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they, they are doing it natively on the in the language now with the library. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's something as I said before. Uh, many times I I've started working on either on a new machine or Docker Docker container or virtual machine or whatever, and suddenly you have to stop because you have mm -hmm. to compile a native library to install a package to right whatever, and I think. This last point uh, ties with the first one. I think they are actually being able to do that now because of uh, being able to work on a language, a more performant language. Right. Uh, so they, they are relying less and less on external libraries. That's that's awesome yeah. for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's interesting because. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would expect them to not take advantage of those, especially if you're starting a new language. But yeah, once you get to a certain point, then it's all right. We have to be able to do a build target that works on Linux and Mac and Windows and anything else. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you have fewer uh, dependencies on some of the native things, then you don't have to worry about what version it is or whether the machine has it or whether the machine has a you know, sometimes they, they have different compile targets and if you have the one, then it works and the other, it doesn't. And so just, just getting rid of that dependency on some external factor makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I stopped you. Did you have other things on your list? Uh, actually, for the first uh, chunk of information I have, it's just that you stopped me in the right uh -huh. place. Um, give me just a second. Um, yeah, other things I'm seeing in the in the Ruby community outside the, the actual language okay. um, regarding the future of, of Ruby, I'm seeing less and less applications applications written in Ruby. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. Yeah, if, if my if I'm not seeing that correctly. But I, I'm seeing a, a decay on Greenfield projects. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I think there's plenty of Ruby work for everyone who wants. But that's something I I actually noticed uh, the last few years. Yeah, I don't know if, you, if you noticed that. I've seen kind of conflicting reports uh, to that effect. So um, I've seen people say, "Hey, there's." There are fewer Ruby projects out there, and so, you know, Ruby is dying. And like you said, I, I don't know that I'm really that worried about it. And I don't, the other thing is, is that a lot of the reports that I see that they're citing, they're not citing like actual numbers, right? They're not saying last year we tracked 2000 and this year we tracked 1900. Usually what I'm seeing is, is, you know, of the overall landscape of new businesses that are starting, you know, a larger percentage of them are using things like Python or JavaScript as JavaScript, opposed to Ruby. Yeah. 
And so, you know, if, if the pie is getting bigger, right? So if we have, you know, 3 million new businesses start, I'm sure that's an unrealistically high number. But let's say 3 million new businesses are starting this year and there were 25, 2.5 million last year. And so Ruby's uh, percentages shrunk a little bit. The overall number of applications may actually be growing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen good numbers that make me worry and I haven't seen good numbers that make me hyper optimistic either you know like it was back in the heyday of rails or ruby when every startup in san francisco was using rails to start and so i don't know um it seems like some of the other measures of community like you know how well do video series like drifting ruby or go rails sell or um how much you know business or traffic do some of the other ruby or rails related things get um how 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 well do the conferences sell out? And that those issues don't seem to really be an issue. There are plenty of people that are interested. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the benchmark is or what the right thing is. But yeah, I'm not seeing it decline in such a way that makes me think, hey, maybe it's time to pull the plug on this. Yeah, in my opinion, and this is absolutely my opinion, uh, I don't think there will be a time... Uh, to pull the plug on Ruby, I think, um, or for any language, uh, right. I think uh, languages will be. Uh, so we still have applications written in Cobol. So right, that should sit down. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's harder to find professionals that will write Cobol or that even yeah. can write Cobol. Yeah. But you know that that's a different thing and it has more to do i guess with the life cycle of software but um i guess the other thing speaking to where it may go in the future and i'm supposed to be interviewing you and i'm going to be putting out my own videos about what i think but um for example uh david uh dhh i was calling david i don't know why um but uh anyway he he came out and said that rails 8 is going to be a platform where they take advantage of all the um progressive web app, web app and uh, kind of native web uh, features. And so, and, and the other thing is, is he's hyper-focused on making Rails a one developer friendly platform, right? Sure, it'll, it'll continue to support uh, enterprises like GitHub and Spotify, but, um, you know, at its core, it'll also be something that you or I could spin up a, a startup in, you know, however long and yeah. you know be all over and so um you know that that also speaks to me in a certain way as far as hey you know the capabilities of the not necessarily ruby itself informing this but of rails of hanami of um you know maybe dragon ruby or ruby wasm i talked to uh, yuta saito this morning about uh, ruby wasm uh, you know, and so that that expands it to a lot more platforms and, and just all of these different places where you may see Ruby become, you know, a preferred way of doing some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I can see this going, you know, getting picked up because Python kind of had a little bit of a dip and then it kind of hit its sweet spot with AI and data science and, yes. and got kind of a renaissance. And I'm wondering if Ruby or Rails or something else out there in the ecosystem could do the same thing. Yeah, I think so. I, my, 
actually my next point was about rails i, I really like the, the where race is, is heading um mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, i've had my ups and downs with liking rails i uh -huh. i liked it very much at the beginning then it declined um at some point i think rails make made things more difficult uh, in the era I of... I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Webpacker, you had Turbo turbo Links and, yeah. and things that weren't always nice. But I learned to trust in the vision of, of DHH because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, now I, I think writing a Rails application from scratch is as easy as when I first came into Rails. Um, yeah, I agree. And the things that you brought up with Turbo, or Turbo Links in particular, and then yeah. um, Webpacker, Web th those were both things that, yeah, they definitely made it harder. What's interesting is is that Turbo Links is now Turbo. Yes. But in a Rails yes. app, it's kind of, I mean, you don't really have to think about it, and it doesn't cause the weird issues that you had to handle in Rails 3 and 4. And then with Webpacker, I mean, I've heard David explain that um, it was kind of a necessary step forward in the way that assets are managed because that's where the internet was going and it gave better capabilities than sprockets. But at this point, now you have import maps and import maps are awesome. Yeah. So then, then you look at some of this other stuff like caching. Um, you know, I, I, ha I had a devil of a time with caching um, and managing my Redis instances and making sure that everything played nice and solid cache makes that pretty darn easy. Um, you know, and you're seeing them pulling solid queue and some of the other options and just making it, I mean, there, there are so many good things coming out with rails these days that I am pretty bullish on it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, as I said, there's a curve in, in rails development where, you have those stepping stones and then everything gets simple again. I really like right. where they're going with Hotwire. I really like where they're going with Strada, which I haven't yep. played with yet, but I, I really like it. Um, yep. No much else to, to say there, but uh, yes, yeah, great work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the other hand, there's a growing community around uh, Hanami, DryRB, and that part of the ecosystem, which yep. also uh, is, is also great. I think uh, I, I don't like the idea of uh, Ruby being Rails. Um, I, mm -hmm. I like Rails, but I like the idea of Ruby being its own thing and having right. many, many options. Uh, I played just a little bit with Hanami, and it's great. I, I've done a lot of work with Roda, for example, for, for a web framework. Yeah. And it's great. It's awesome, too. Yeah. It's completely different to anything else, and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking so, to Jeremy Evans in a few weeks, so. Awesome. Yeah. He'll be great a guy to, to talk yeah. to. Yeah. So I, I like that these communities are, are emerging, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think for a long time Rails was the the entry point and the and the all for Ruby and uh, and I like the idea of of this changing. 
Yep. Yep, absolutely. The diversity is, is great in, in that sense, I think. Well, I think the other piece of this that we look at is, you know, Hanami, they, like I said, they do things a little bit differently, but in some ways, I mean, it makes it, you know, the way they kind of split up responsibilities on, say, data access, for example, it makes it yeah. pretty easy to reason about what's going on. And it's not that active record most of the time is that much harder. Sometimes it really is. Um, but you you look at those pieces and you go, huh, okay. And maybe some of that will inform Rails or maybe something that Rails innovates that's just kind of makes something brain dead simple. You know, Hanami will pick up and there's always room for more people to come in here and say, hey, what if we did it this way? And then see some benefit out of it. Um, yeah. Another example of this is like Bridgetown coming out of Jekyll, right? And so um, uh, what's That's his awesome. name? Yeah. Uh, Kevin White, is that his name? The no, Bridgetown Jared White. Guy? Jared White. Yeah. Uh, I had a coworker named Kevin White way back in the day. <laughs> anyway, so, so he's done a whole bunch of stuff there, right? He modernized the static assets stuff and, you know, kept a lot of the things that were great in Jekyll. And I, I, I see a lot of things in Ruby kind of build off of each other that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, particularly myself, right now I'm working on, on creating a small Ruby framework for just plain Ruby applications. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's tiny, right? It's just for spinning up a, a small application for a kata or things like that. Right, and there are a lot of libraries that really, really help uh, on that regard. Uh, I'm using yep. Sidework, for example, and uh, it simplifies um, reloading and that kind of thing, which is something that it was a pain a few years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and, and I think that the language and the, and the community um, is what makes it simple because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of work on, on a lot of, a lot of uh, different aspects which allows the, the uh, things to be almost uh, yeah, brain dead. You don't need to think about a lot of things. Right. Yeah, there are a lot of things. You mentioned uh, the language, but then the community, right? And that's that's the other thing that I'm I'm super excited and kind of see going forward. So um, in October, I went to Rails World. Um, a Buzzsprout paid for my hotel and stuff. And, uh, you know, that nice. was awesome. But yeah, you know, just being there and feeling the energy, right? And seeing people get excited about what's coming next in Rails. And I think some of that same energy is there for Ruby. I just don't know where that gets placed, because I don't know that I necessarily do, do I dare say this. Sorry, people at Ruby Central. Um, but I don't feel like RubyConf is necessarily the place where that energy shows up anymore. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it's so it's it's interesting just to see, you know, as, as we kind of build forward, you know, what, you know, what what can be created in, in these spaces and yeah, what people are excited about being able to do with it. Yeah, what I think in that regard is that um, the energy there is uh, disseminated into different things. I think the biggest community there is DryRB slash Anami, which is yeah. uh, the same community. Um, 
but then there are a lot of projects that bring excitement to Ruby, and there are individual projects. Uh, right now, the, the ones I can mention are Sidework, as I said, Flex, Dragon Ruby, uh, those kind of projects which um, yeah, bring excitement and simplicity and motivation to, to do stuff, right? ROM right. is the other one mm -hmm. I'm really excited about. Uh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, but I just, I love getting together with other Rubyists, and there's just, there's so much energy there. Yeah. You know, it's been around for a while. You're lucky to be in the U.S. We are, well, we are less here, but. There are still conferences here, like there's Blue Ridge Ruby, and, um, you know, RubyConf and RailsConf are usually here in the U.S., um, Rails World next year is going to be in Toronto, which isn't in the U.S., but it's close. Um, the the thing that's interesting is is that, um, and I think a lot of this is could be chalked up to COVID, but I don't see as many of the users groups anymore, right? I don't see people getting together in their local communities, and I wish that there was something that we could do to bring that back. I have some ideas yeah. of some things I want to do, but it's like fifth on my 10 million things long list, <laughs> and so I never yeah. quite get to it, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I, I love to start seeing that come back too. In terms of what I see in the Ruby community and in the Ruby language in general, those were my points. Awesome. What I like to see, which was my, uh -huh. my other big point, uh, is a focus on uh, machine learning and AI. Right. Uh, I really like to for Ruby to compete hand-to-hand hand hand with Python. Mm -hmm. uh, and more Ruby, more, sorry, uh, GUI stuff. I really like Ruby to be, not to be thought as a web language, but a more general language. Right. Uh, I've been trying to to get into GUI development uh, just for myself. And it's more complex at the, at the moment than, right. than Rails. Right. So yeah. it's harder to get into. Yeah, I'm talking to Andy Mala next week, and we're going to be talking about Glimmer, I'm sure, is one of the UI things. But yeah, it it definitely be cool to see it expand to more areas. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 have Ruby Motion, but it's, that's mostly fo focused on games, and it'd be nice to see it. You know, whether it's Ruby Motion or some other option, you know, yeah. come up. Yeah, in the mobile space, so that you can build mobile yeah. business apps. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, the same thing with. You know, something something kind of like what you get with like React Native, right? Where you could then go to like TV apps and, you know, all those areas. And then, yeah, you know, the UIs on desktop and, you know. Yeah. Um, I think Ruby has a strong case for CLIs, but doesn't always get picked. And yeah. So, yeah, it'd be great to see it pick up some other areas and, and become kind of the way to go for some of those. Yeah, totally. Uh, I really like that because I, I love Ruby and I... I like to be able to just pick it for whatever project I need. So, yep. Yep, absolutely. Cool. So, um, yeah, it sounds like we got through your list. Yep. Um, if yeah, people but... want to check out what you're working on now, how do they find you? Uh, nbcasts.com. Uh, I'm working on 
just starting a screencast series. Uh, right now, there are just six episodes, and they are all about Ruby. The, the idea is to expand uh, beyond Ruby, but right. uh, and that's what, what's there right now. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up here. Till next time, folks. Max out. See you.